Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Michael Dean Show here on Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean, and joining me today is Mr. Big Sexy and Saxer. How are you? I'm doing well, relaxing and chilling on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I edit that out. <laughs> I was about to say, was it that? <laughs> no. All right, Jim Anvil Nightheart. Oh, really? you, sure, you sure you ain't been drinking? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also joining us is Aunt Pooh. Sir, how are you? I'm doing good. And my quote of the day is when you know better, you do better. All right. Last but certainly not least, Mr. Q Storm. Sir, how are you? As always, I'm doing wonderful. All right. Love it. Love it. So let's get it in today, as they say in the streets. Actually, they don't say that, but I'm saying it. Um, let's then get things started. That. <laughs> so first thing, I didn't want to start with this, but I think it's a hot topic, so we'll get into it. Amorosa. Uh, she has a new book coming out. I think must, maybe it must come out this week, Tuesday, called Unhinged. And it is uh, about her times or dealings uh, working for President Trump. And the White House and being a part of that whole campaign and everything. And uh, of course, I haven't read the book because it's not out yet. But uh, there's talk, you know, Amorosa, there's always something to talk about when she comes out. And I think right now she's sort of trying to present herself as, you know, uh, she wants to sort of out Trump as being a racist, which we already knew. She says that uh, there was a tape with Trump using the N-word. Excuse me. <clears throat> that she has heard but doesn't have um she has some secret tapes uh that she secretly recorded uh trump and or what's the gentleman who fired fired her i can't think of his name jeff session not jeff. john kelly john kelly the uh, chief uh, of staff chief, yeah chief of staff and you know she, I, I listened to the interview she had uh, uh was that meet the press this, uh, Sunday. this morning, yes. And I saw that. And, you know, she's... Here's my take on it, and I want to get you guys' opinion. As I've said b before a long time ago, I... I you know, don't get triggered here. I can... I can respect the game behind her moves. Now, what I mean by that is the same way to me, she's using the tactics uh, and hustle that Trump has done, but it is just used for evil. You know, I can understand what she's doing. I don't agree with what she's doing, and I don't think she has any credibility at this point. But uh, as I said offline, to me, she is the anti Michelle Obama. She would be, if Michelle Obama was purely for greed, only concerned about herself, and, you know, by any means necessary, uh, only about herself and damn anybody else. That's what I see. Her. I'm like, man, if she had used these powers for good, she would be the shit because she knows how to maneuver. You know, it's just the problem is she uh, is so self-absorbed. And she's willing, and I say by any means necessary, she's willing to be a coon to, to get ahead, right? Uh, and then she's played herself because, you know, the black folks don't want your back. You know, white folks don't. They, my man on the interview was going in. I was like, man, he, he ain't even giving him no passes. And she misstepped when, you know, the, the, the game got ahead of her morals and conscience. You know, she is so conniving. And so, like, you know, on the grind with the hustle that she's not even realizing, maybe she does, just doesn't care, that she's played herself. And now she's trying to double back to her so-called people. They not fucking with you. Right? Because she's like, ah, you're a coon. Like, what do you, we don't, even if you think you're coming with some intel, eh, we're good. You're going to literally have to come with a tape of Trump, like, you don't have to have that Trump getting peed on tape to get any sort of like, okay, that, you know, that, that takes away your sins. But she don't have the tape. Like she don't even have the, the, the N-word tape. And, you know, so it's just like she just kind of falls on her face. 
Um, so when I that's when I look when I look at her, that's what I see. I'm like, man, there's a person who just she overworked the game. She she just got game greedy and just like, ah, you 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 shot your shot to too many places and you you lost the hand. Now you ain't got nowhere to go. You know, you out there just on your own. But as I was listening to the interview and you know, she played the tape and when homeboy was soon uh, fired her and the interview dude, he was like, So were you how did you know to record that? Like, were you, or, you know, that was a cold question because, but it goes to show she is so like sneaky. You can't trust, like no one should trust her because she's obviously already know like some shit is popping off and I got my recorder ready. Like that just goes to me, that goes to show that that white house game and that ain't no joke. And particularly mm-hmm. if you're black ass, I think where she went wrong and she probably thought like, oh, you know, I'm in here. You know what I'm saying? And they love me. You know, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm standing next to Trump. I'm important, you know. And, you know, age old thing. No, they don't. Don't, don't get it twisted. <laughs> They'll get your black guys out of there quick. When they used you for what they needed you for. Say ya. That's all. And that's all. It's, I sometimes see that in the corporate world. Oh, yeah. I'm not like those, you know, and she's talking big stuff like uh, all the people who talk shit, the day of reckoning is coming. <sighs> well, your reckoning came. So where are you? What are you talking about? You don't have the same energy. Did you have the same energy? And that's what homeboy was really saying in the interview. Well, when he was saying that there was good people on each side, did you say something then? Uh, what about when he had the phone call with the. The, the widow of the military guy, did you, did you quit then? Well, see, what had happened was... I'm like, eh, eh. So, yeah, man, she's... And I think somebody said this earlier. She is literally a coon. She's played herself. Now she's trying to... This is what happened. And then they try to come back and get the good graces. But we're not fucking with you. Uh, Q-Storm, what's your take on Omarosa? Well, I think uh, I'm not sure how to even begin. In regards to this morning, <clears throat> I think she did she did a masterful job of positioning herself in the only way she could, and that was by trying to take a position. Yet she literally said, "Yes, I was complicit." She said that <laughs> trying she to fall on the sword, yeah. <laughs> and that was the only position she could take because Chuck Todd grilled her. I thought it was an excellent piece of piece of work of grilling her about why didn't you say anything after the many on both sides comments after the Central Park Five after uh, housing discrimination in the past? You, you, why did you why didn't you say anything then? And she said yes, I I was complicit, and then she went into that all that bullshit that Ed Gordon checked her on. Couple years, a couple years ago, I think, a year ago, when she was trying to say, I have to, we need someone in the White House that can, you know, put a check and balances and represent African American people, which she never did. And um, now that she's out, as you said, Kellyanne Conway was interviewed on another morning show and she was struck. Uh, oh, it was, um, oh, who's the guy? Short. Gremlin looking dude. I can't think of it. Uh, <laughs> Stephan- Stephanopoulos. George Stephanopoulos. Yeah. Uh, he-, he asked her, well, who who now in the White House is he represents, you know, the African-American community? And Kellyanne Conway, she gave uh, uh, the, the first name of some guy who was in some low level committee, didn't give his last name. And just kept going on about, well, but but uh, African-American employment, uh, unemployment is down. <laughs> So she couldn't give me. So yeah, now to her, to her coming to her defense, which I'm loath to do, uh, or to 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 kind of uh, contradict what you said. Not contradict. I agree with what you said, but this White House has shown even race don't matter because Scaramucci was in there for three months. Uh, what's the guy's name? That Kellyanne. What's her name? Uh, Melissa McCarthy played uh, Spicer. He was in there what six months. Uh, what's her name? Hope Hicks. She she used to work with the Trumps for years. She's gone. Uh, so it's basically anyone that this guy uh, doesn't like or doesn't toe the line, 
they're gone. But but I think Amorosa probably behaved in a manner that she she kind of let herself become a target. She's just selling books. She's just there to sell books. She may reveal the goods on Trump, but coming from her, I, I need a more reliable source, even when we're talking about Trump. <laughs> All right. Uh, Aunt Pooh, you, you got any uh, thoughts on this? No, no, I'm not going to go too deep and heavy into this. My thing is, is that I really don't care where it's coming from. If, if the information is true, put it out there. If it embarrasses Trump or uh, derails his presidency or leads to him having less power, meaning uh, come these elections, which everybody's on Twitter talking shit about Trump. Talking about we need to get rid of him. I'm hoping y'all, everybody that's doing all that shit is registered to vote and is voting against his party. So if that, if this is going to lead to that, then I'm all for it. I mean, we on, first of all, she's a reality star. So for her to be taken seriously within the White House should have never been given any credence whatsoever. And all she's doing at this point is making herself look bad, uh, crying tears about how white daddy and Massa said I was just like them in the big house. And she found out she got her. We'll go ahead and uh, TM Tariq Nashi giving her her nigga wake up call. And well, got to make that money, get that hustle somehow. So do you, sis? Hilarious. Uh, big sexy. You know, I'm not, you know, a big political by any stretch. My knowledge of Omarosa really comes from watching her pull these same shenanigans on The Apprentice. And when she got fired on The Apprentice, it sounds like it was the same type of deal. Because when she went out on The Apprentice, there was a scene. You know, please, Mr. Trump, please, please get her out of here. Please, 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 please. Yeah, right. Out. Right now. You know, so now that he brought her into the White House which we knew was never going to work. And sure enough, I don't know what she did to trigger this or what he did to trigger this or how it started. Same thing happened out right now. And I've said this off air and I'll say it again. The only thing that she had going for her as a person was her marriage to Michael Clark Duncan because everybody loved him. Other than that, she can go to hell. She's useless. All right. Maybe they can hire uh what's what's the the body count pastor? What's his name? Lloyd Banks. I have too? no idea. They <laughs> can hire him for the job. <laughs> Cuz it sounds like he campaigning for it anyway. I mean, I just want to say this right now. You know, this is probably the most pro-black president or some shit is whatever he said. Oh, how he got time to to do all that? He's supposed to be on tour with G Unit, but nonetheless. All I right. just love okay. how we just can never be on code. Like, if if whoever has, I, I, I hate to say this, but it's like whoever has the highest checkbook, somebody within the black community is going to work with that tell, to say exactly what they need them to say for that money. And, and that's a shame because I don't see how, I've yet to see how uh, big up in being a hype man for Trump has benefited him. But he's he's still campaigning for something. Hey man, he's I mean you know, it's a pastor. I'm sure he's got a big congregation, and he's he's an older brother, right? And he's probably like, it's good, you know, good white folks. Uh, this is the president of the United States. This is not like this is Joe Blowdown. This is the most you know most powerful man in the world, and and I'm and I'm jockeying. You know what I'm saying? I they they want me to they want me to speak. Amen. You know, he he gonna be up in there. He's probably like, what I got to lose? Uh these niggas? Or I <laughs> or I got to I got to you know, what can he he could possibly gain a seat at you know a seat at the table. I, you know, and if you you know, again, I'm not saying everybody's like that, but you know, there's certain age demographics where go on and get that job for Mr. Jones now. He, you know, that's how I see him. He's old school and he, you know, he's probably like, this is a this is make or break for me right now. You know, I, 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 t- I tend to probably lose more than I could gain. You know, that's maybe that's what he's thinking. Cause like, psh, I'm already running game anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm about to be with the president. I don't give a damn what you niggas think. <laughs> you know, that's, 
that's how I look at it. Cause how, cause the stuff he's saying is so like outrageously stupid. Like, yeah, I, you know, he's lying. I mean, he's straight line. Yeah. I just got off the line with the top gang thugs in Chicago. Uh, and, I mean, uh, yeah. he, that's what he's talking about, right? He's lying his ass off because he's trying to get a seat at the Man table. Of God. Yeah. And so he's already running game. That that's a, that's a given. <laughs> So this is just the next level <laughs> of the coon pole, and and some people, some cats is like, you know what? I'm sh I'm shooting my shot. You know, I, to me, it's the same way with like um, Paris Denard. Like he's uh, a nut, but I would say Paris Denard, he's just he's he's going full in. He don't give a fuck. He don't. You, you could say Trump. That tape of Trump probably will come out. I, I did catch Amarosa said it might be an October surprise. You know, the real people who own that tape is the one that, you know, they sitting on that. You know what I'm saying? They got, they got, they ready for you, dog. They got some dirt on you, dog. Right? That tape will probably come out. Paris is an R. He gonna be. A, we'll see. I listen. I don't think he should say that. But Trump is doing more for blacks. He's still gonna find a way to. Rationalize. What about black on black? Yeah, he's gonna find a way to rationalize Trump saying the N words. He he's just the committed, and I, I, like I said, I, I pray for that brother. He, I wish he had that same commitment to us, but I but I do understand what he's doing. I don't again. I don't agree with that nigga, <laughs> but bless his heart. He I, I he's all ask, in. Go ahead. I have to ask. Why do you pray for him? Do you pray for Candace Owens too? Can who is that? She's the right wing. I think she's a radio host or something. She was the one who was in Philadelphia last weekend, I think, who got. Uh, oh, was she on a video on. recently with like Michael Eric Dyson or something? Yep. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know much about her, to be honest with you. So I, she's I, cut from the same cloth. OK, well, yeah, no, I guess I, no, I, she's not. I don't know much about her. I just just recently kind of started to see her, but I haven't. I know more about the Paris guy. So that's why. I wouldn't know what to say to that. I don't. I, don't I guess I don't know why we're praying. Why we would pray for him? Well, I, I'm just saying it is. I, I pray for everybody. You know, uh, he's just a he's a misguided brother. He, he's obviously misguided. You know, he needs to have that same passion that he has for Trump. I want him to have that passion for us first. But but I can see why. I don't see why he's doing it. But I'm saying. He's just misguided, you know. He, he well, okay. Let me know. let me just. I'm not sure. Go ahead. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to challenge anybody here, but <laughs> we. I saw, you know, certain. I saw certain posts talking about the black guy, the brother, the R&B guy who was friends with the KKK guy. The R&B guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Uncle Rock. Uh, First of all, R&B guy. I didn't know why, he does why, music or something. I, I'm curious. Why does he get the Uncle Ruckus label? He doesn't get prayed for. Well, no, I, I said he looks like Uncle Ruckus. I thought he looked like him. Okay. I pray you for that brother that, too, you, man, because he's going to get that because of his behavior. <laughs> no, I, I, if you look at the picture of him, he looks like Uncle Ruckus to me. He, he does. That's what I meant by that. Okay. All right, Mike. You got out of that. <laughs> well, no. well, no, I will say this. I, I, I pray for that brother too because in his heart, I can understand what he thinks he's doing. And maybe he has pulled some people, but. That dude that he was in that news report, that dude is evil, man. Like you don't want to watch you don't watch your back around this dude. Your dude is telling you exactly what he is and what he gets down. Uh, is that the same dude that busted the shot? He shot somebody. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yes. that's why I'm saying, like, you got to be. I would not be trying to save that dude. That dude is ready to blow your head off. And he used the N word while he. Yeah. So, and it's going to tie, it kind of ties, somewhat ties into this movie, Black Klansman. Like, man, don't, you know, watch yourself on where you're at. Now, I understand he's trying to do the right thing, but if that'd be like to me when you go down, you don't, oh, I want to stop the drugs flowing into this country. I'm going to go down to where the cartel is at, you know, where they actually, the, the poppy fields, and I'm going to try and talk to the warlord. Man, listen. And he invites you in, and oh yeah, you have you have something you want to have. I, I, I don't know why I'm doing the Asian thing. But come yeah, in, <laughs> stop it. Come, come in and eat with us. But they're ready to cut your damn neck off. That reminds me of the scene from Scarface where Scarface <laughs> sitting at the table, and F. Murray Abraham, uh, the, the 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 big dude tells F. Murray Abraham, uh, "You got a call." <laughs> 
and his Scarface looks up, and he that, that dude is hanging from a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, at a moment's turn, it could turn, right? That dude, you're going to be at their house. Uh, yeah, he... Yeah, he. I don't even remember what the brother's name. Oh, he's a good old boy. He's a good Darryl, boy. Daryl Dixon, I think. Yeah, and then they see Darryl. something on TV or something. Um, Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis. Blacks have taken over. Fucking nurse. Sick of well, Daryl's over there. Fuck that. Rub his ass. I'm sick of it. You know. Yeah. But anyway, I'm just clowning. Did you see, wait a minute, along those same lines, <clears throat> did you see a report? I, I, it was on CNN, I believe. The, the the same one I think it was the same woman that was interviewing that dude on the on the uh, Washington lawn. Mm-hmm. She was in some, I forget what state I want to say it was Georgia. She was in this uh, crackers uh, front yard. <laughs> wait 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 wait. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. What? what? Good wife. Folks. Come on now. What? what? Whoa. <laughs> what? This guy was this guy was the definition of a cracker. Andy. Okay. Oh. Two for two. All oh, right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ritz cracker, saltine cracker. I said it. Wow. Go ahead. He had swastikas all over the place, Confederate flags all over the place. He was living in a ramshackle hut. This was a cracker. And he was all he was all calm and she was saying, Well, why do you feel like um why do, why do you have the swastika? Well, we're not really, it's not about violence anymore, is it? And she kept hitting them with logic until at the end of the clip, get the fuck off my property. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, get it. Yep. That's how it's do. Like you're saying, I'm, I'm backing you up. That's how these motherfuckers do. When you, they don't have, they don't have any common sense. They don't have any discernment. All they have is fear, hate, and despair. And when you tie them up with logic, they resort to violence. Yeah. And that's like yeah. your point. What this guy can see, yeah, okay, he went to the African American Museum. That's wonderful. <laughs> I go to white museums every day. Well, not, you know, every time I go to a museum, it is a Eurocentric museum. So he gets no points for that. Yeah. I, you know, when they showed the wedding footage, I actually thought the brother was getting married to the white lady, and I was like his sister. <laughs> then I was going to be like, oh, okay. Maybe there is hope because I know they don't play around with that. But when I realized what it was, I was like, oh, yeah. They probably was having him there to play the banjo or something. He entertainment. He was like, here you go. What's this? I thought you was here to play, boy. Oh, shit. Bang, 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 bang. Oh, you do that pretty good. Hey man, I used to eat that racist ice cream from the racist ice cream truck with that racist song. Hilarious. <laughs> Q is on one. I love it. Let's get it. All right, let's get off of that. Um, let's just get into these movies. Uh, before we get into these reviews, real quick, I, I think we were talking offline about The Rock. And I was just looking at something. There was a new movie that came out this weekend, which I still want to see The Meg, the shark oh. movie, right? Yeah. Uh, what's the guy's name that plays in that? Um, Jason Statham. Jason Statham. So I was looking at that movie. That movie just came out this weekend. Uh, $44 million this weekend. Yeah. Um, that's in America. Now, overseas, has done excuse me, $97 million just this weekend alone, right? Uh, obviously, that movie's a big hit overseas. Uh, and I was Is looking Jason at... Jason Statham European or something? He's British. British, yeah. yeah. And then I was looking at The Rock, and... The last rock movie that he stars in uh, was somewhat of a disappointment box office wise here in America. It came so in like Rampage or Skyscraper? Skyscraper. Uh, did yeah. 66 million. But here's the thing overseas, $215 million. <laughs> so it's a big disparage. You're like, whoa, what the? What were they? Were they watching a different cut of this movie? So obviously, he is a worldwide you know, box office dude, you know. Um, now, when you do the math on it, though, I don't know. Again, the movie's pretty much dead over here. You know, it came out on the 13th of July. So the legs are gone at this point. And so you can look, I think I'm looking at the budget. The budget was $125 million, which was like, whoa, I don't know why it cost that much. But when you take away everything, I don't know how much money they actually make when you, you know, all of that. But it does go to show that The Rock obviously is that dude maybe not in america but in the rest of the world um I, but i've been looking at the meg 
if it does a ninety-seven million in its first weekend overseas, I would imagine it's going to do gangbusters over you know overseas uh, by those numbers. And I, you know, I think it's the number one movie this week here in America. But it just was funny to me, man. So I could see why probably putting The Rock and Jason statement in the movie is box office gold, right? I mean, if you go by the worldwide attraction of these guys, uh, maybe they're gonna maybe they're gonna be on to something with that uh, spinoff movie, possibly even be bigger than Fast and the Furious. It'd be very interesting to see. And we know Tyrese will hate that. Oh, yeah. That's gonna... What was that? Hello. You gonna say something, Q? I was going to say, I, I'm saying that now that's going to be a hit. Now, I did predict that Baywatch would be a hit, too. <laughs> I think this will be a hit. Yeah, I think this got a better chance, definitely. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely keep our eyes out. All right, so new movie came out. New Spike Lee joint. Uh, Black Klansman. What was Spike's last movie? Damn, that's Chirac. I don't think it was Chirac, was it? Or what? Maybe. Was it the Was it the musical? Oh, that was Chirac. The one with the the women weren't giving it up no more. Was that Chirac? Yeah. Maybe that was his last one. Okay. Well, he's back. No, you know what? It wasn't. Uh, yeah, he... it was. It says last movie before it was twelve, fourteen, fifteen. Chirac. Okay. Okay. All right. So yeah, he is back. Uh, this movie is obviously not a. Uh, it's a wider release uh, than an Amazon Chirac movie. Um, a lot of talk about this movie and it's coming out at a very timely period, right? Uh, the one year anniversary of Charlottesville. And I'm just give my quick take on this. Uh, not my favorite Spike Lee movie. I'm going to say that. Now I say all this because I have, sometimes I have expectations on Spike Lee because for me, Malcolm X do the right thing. Um, what was the one with the jazz? More better blues. She's got a bamboozle. Bamboozle. I wasn't big a fan of that, but I will give that. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, Clockers, Twenty Fifth Hour. I mean, he's got way more dopeness than not, and you know he takes chances with his movies. With this one, I'll say this. I was I was expecting way more for this movie, and I'm, I, I was trying to think about what did I feel about this movie. There was something off about this movie. I'm, I can't place what it was. It was not a bad movie at all. Uh, I just somehow I wasn't believing the time frame or the way it was presented. I didn't. I hate to say it almost feel, it didn't feel authentic to me or something. Uh, it, it felt like it was more of a Hollywood presentation of the excuse me of the 70s and of the black power thing um sometimes it felt a little heavy-handed which that's spike lee's calling card so i'm not faulting it for that but i just felt like it was like i don't know it was something not authentic about it which when i think of spikes he always nails the characters where i yeah that's black folks or we would do that or it didn't come off corny. Some of this, I don't know why to me came off a little corny, but I was right there with the message of it. I was moved at times by some of the things that were said, not necessarily the performances. Um, I found the Klansmen dudes to be funny and maybe they're supposed to be funny, but some of the stuff that they were saying and the way they were acting was over the top some of the characters were over the top to me that one fat guy clan dude i was like he's a clown but i was like okay it's kind of funny but i guess my real issue was the main character um played by denzel's son which i have his name in front of me um what's this guy's name john david washington i like him in ballers i think he is great in ballers in this it just came off. You know what I started thinking? Undercover brother. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Undercover First of brother. All, I love that movie. So I, I like that movie too. Tone. I like that movie that's as tone. well. I love that movie. But this movie is not Undercover Brother. And I don't know, for some reason, I felt like it was trying to be like funny, 
But then it was like supposed to be. I couldn't take him serious. And when he had his interactions with the uh, the sister in the movie, the, the young lady that was in Spider Man, I just didn't feel the chemistry between them. Like I felt like I should. And he just, I don't know. He seemed like an outsider or something. It was something corny about him that just didn't work for me. I'm not sure what it was. It's hard for me to say. Um, I think what the movie is about was interesting. Um, Kylo Ren is in this movie. I, 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 that's how I see him. And this may be my not being able to separate some of these actors from other things I've seen them in that's so iconic to me. I can't think, I just think of him as Kylo Ray. So it's hard for me to take this guy sort of serious in this role that he's playing. But, but I thought he was good in this, but I was just kind of like, uh, the, the Jewish undercover copy. Again, he just didn't seem like he was invested in it or maybe that's how they were playing the character. I just didn't feel any real emotion from the guy. Um, so I don't know. It was just an off movie to me. Um, I felt like it could have ended a little sooner. Some of the scenes seemed pointless to me. I didn't like the scene where they were at the black club and they were doing the song where they were dancing. Right. I agree. I thought, yep. first of all, I thought, why would you have that song if, if you're going to do, you know, they're boogieing and stuff? It just, it was, again, it was one of those Spike things. I, I know it's Spike. I was like, Spike, you, you can go, uh, you can go in like you do, but for some reason, it didn't click here with me. I didn't even like the score of this movie. I just thought, ah, it doesn't even have the same feel. And I'll wrap it up to say, I, Love the Spike Lee scene, you know, where they're floating. I thought that was dope. Some of the cinematography in here I thought was pretty cool. I just didn't like the dialogue as much as I thought normally Spike nails. Um, I thought the best part of the movie and the most part that got to my gut. I know what you're going to say, Mike. Yeah, let me, let me finish real quick. The part, that, the part that got me, that got my gut, you know, I went and saw this with my mom and my sister was actually the real-life footage of Charlottesville. Okay. That was the part to me that was... It, because it was realistic. And then they showed, the, you know, they showed that clip of Trump. You know, there's good people on both sides. To me, that's where the movie just stopped. And I was just like... I guess after seeing everything that happened in the movie and then see the reality of the world, the reality to me was way more <laughs> head-busting. I was like, God damn and that i was drained i was like oh you had to stop a minute and then prince comes on right and they they play that song i was like okay to me the ending was like uh how darth vader's ending on rogue one was like you can't help but walk out of that i'm like whoa that was heavy but the rest of the movie i just thought was okay um so it was. It, I'd say everybody should see it. But and now this is my last part. I'm going to queue. I can. And this movie is highly rated, right? Like on, isn't it like on a 98 or something like? 97 percent. 97 percent. It won the award at a Cannes Film Festival. I and you know what? And this might sound. Y'all gonna take it how you want to. I could see how white people see this movie, and are floored. Yeah. And, and and it hits them in the gut. I can get that. For me, a lot of it was. I already know. Eh. I, so I was, maybe that's and maybe that's why I saw it the way I did because I was like, well, shit. I was like, no shit. You know? so, <laughs> so anyway, those are my thoughts on the movie. Q Storm, go ahead. I agree with a lot of what you said, but I, I still come at it from a different perspective, or not different perspective, but different angle. <clears throat> you you know what? And you made me realize I forgot to. You know, I'm editing my review today. I forgot to mention that. Um, those those end clips, which kind of reminded me of Schindler's List, how that movie ends, where they show real live footage of Holocaust survivors and things. Because <clears throat> in my review, I go on to say that this movie wants to be a lot of different things, and they don't mesh together. It wants to be a comedy at one point. Uh, it wants to be like an education lesson, which is fine to have Harry Belafonte mm. talking about a story. And I, I I have to say, I don't know if the story was true or if it was written. Uh the one there's one scene that the, my favorite scene of the film. This is the scene I thought you I thought you were gonna referring to this was the scene with Corey Hawkins where he plays um, uh, Stokely Carmichael, 
That mm. scene, it, it goes on forever. And I was thinking this is a long scene, but I was like, I'm totally with it. Cause that dude, he needs to be he needs to be acting a lot more because he he lit the fucking celluloid on fire. That that scene made it worth going to see the movie, as far as I'm concerned. Interesting, interesting. <clears throat> but a lot of other things you say, I agree. Uh, the club scene was the equivalent of that long, unnecessary Malcolm X scene where they're in the zoot suits in Malcolm X. Uh, I it went on way too long, and I think the reason they used that song because I was thinking the same thing. This isn't really the funkiest song to represent, <laughs> right? Period. But it's probably the only song they could afford. I, I that's what that, that's what I would assume. Wow. What song was it? The scene it, it felt like five minutes. It's a it's a it's a song you know, but. Oh, it's the a, song! I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I'm falling yeah. in love. But it's like a dance they, thing, yeah. though. The club, and it's a slow song. It just didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, the other problem I had with the film was it just seemed like to me that, um, like you said, the Klansmen were there were some great actors, but I thought they were played up almost too comically uh, evil. It's like when they they say certain things that like. All right, I know you're talking about Trump. You're not. Come right, on. Right, right, right. You know. Oh, there's no way we could. They would. No one would ever uh, consider electing someone who's a white nationalist. I'm like, oh, <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, and and it seemed like I I don't know anything about the Klan other than they hate non-white people and they evil motherfuckers. That's all I know about them. Right. I just find it hard to believe that whenever they meet together they're always talking about ends or or gays or this it seems like i know they they got to go get groceries <laughs> pick up kids it's like every time we see them in the scene they're talking about i hate them ends i was like really is it like that all the time so i thought that was a little fake having said all that i would recommend this movie i gave it three and a half reels out of five because of the performances i know what you're talking about mike there was something about Ron Stallworth, the character, I thought he did a great job. I thought he commanded the screen, but there were some moments where I was like, he really needs to come, he needs to bring it, the character, not the actor. Mm. But the character needed to have been written a little bit more edgy. You know, he seemed a yeah. little bit too, yeah. he seemed a little bit too complacent and too by the book at sometimes. And I thought there wasn't enough excitement. There wasn't enough, um, I mean, you're talking about a black dude infiltrating the Klan. There should have been a lot more scenes, like the, um, I'm not going to give anything away, but the lie detector scene. Mm. There needed to be more scenes like that where, are they going to get caught out? Or what's going to happen? Or more more uh, suspenseful scenes like that. And it was kind of, it was a little bit too tame or too, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? It, it wasn't yeah. exciting enough. Even when he's he is assigned to watch David Duke, I was like, right. okay, that can be very interesting, but it just didn't... I didn't Everybody think they, just accepted it. David, yeah. David Duke, he was just like, okay, you're my bodyguard. Okay, let's go. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Let me, can I just add one thing you made me remember? You, you talked about the Harry Belafonte part. Again, to me, one of the most powerful parts in this was when they were showing the clips of, uh, or when they were watching Birth of a Nation and you saw the, the clan, how they were reacting watching that movie. And then with his stories, I thought that whole part was actually very brilliant. I totally forgot about that, but that was very powerful because it was real. Like that movie exists. Like that movie, you know, the way he framed the, that movie. Like they they showed that at the White House. You know, that movie was a blockbuster. And, and when you get to see the clips of that movie and how it was, that, you know, that white lady was like, "Get that!" I was like, I was like, "Whoa!" I just thought that was kind of. I- I can't imagine that even Klansmen are watching that and getting that hyped. Hey, man. (laughs) (laughs) I can. (laughs) But let me just say, um, and you hinted to this, there's a technique that Spike is always known for, the putting his actors on a dolly and dragging the, putting the camera in front of them and dragging the dolly. I've always hated that technique, but the way he did it in this film, literally, there's a scene where he's with, where uh, Ron is with his girlfriend and they hear a noise and they both react in a certain way. I literally said, I, I literally said in the theater, that's what the fuck I'm talking oh, here about. Here you go. <laughs> I, I already know what God, you mean. I, I was like, go get him. <laughs> I, when she did that, I was like, oh. See? I, I kill for a woman like that. There you go. <laughs> well, see, just how you got hyped on that, that's the same way the clan be hyped watching they, they footage. So. And uh, I love, that's the only time I've liked that, 
because it was badass as hell. So yeah, it was tight. that ending, that that was tight. I, I, your girl Laura Harry, I didn't like her in Spider Man, but she she sold me here. Even though that subplot was very flimsy, she still proved that she can act. I'm sorry, who? Laura Harry, isn't that her name? She played the 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 girl in uh, Spider Man Homecoming. The, the the girl Peter was trying that uh, he liked or whatever. Oh, okay. I yeah. didn't. Uh, not that I disliked her. I guess I, I I didn't think her character was written like it. I don't know. Just she no, was just I Black agree. Power Woman. That was it. Like you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, and, and that's why I said it was a flimsy subplot. They didn't really go. Not that I needed to see a sex scene with the two of them, but I needed something a little bit stronger than. I mean, he just got game, and the next scene he's with her. Because <laughs> yeah. he didn't have that much game. No, nah, he was. I don't know. It was something about. Even when his speech thing was such a big thing, I don't think they really. I didn't believe it. Like, to me, they make a big deal of, well, he talks this way and then he can talk the other way. I didn't think he flipped. Like, when he met David Duke later in the thing, you're right. I yeah. thought he was just going to be like, oh, you're. Because yeah. he, didn't, he didn't flip it up. I was like, what the fuck is I this? Agree. I agree. I agree. But can I just say, one? this is, a, this is a, just a sidebar. I swear to God, if you close your eyes and just listen to that guy talk, you swear that's Denzel, Denzel. Washington. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how I, I remember I asked you. I said, uh, you know, the dude playing on ballers, you, he sounds just like Denzel Washington. I think you told me that's his son. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's kind of odd that they have the same sort of vocal inflections in certain places. Well, he needs to get, he still needs to take some lessons, but he's good. I mean, he's a good actor. Don't get me wrong. But where, where do you place this in terms of other Spike movies? I'll put it like this. Um, People, I'm I'm seeing on Twitter, some people say that this is a masterpiece in light of the Unite the Right rally that's going on this afternoon in D.C. It's probably going on now. Um, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say this. I'd say Do the Right Thing is far more of a masterpiece and speaks far more, at least to me, about what's happening today than this film does. Because this film is, like I said, it's too obvious and too on the nose. Whereas uh, Do the Right Thing, Mookie throwing that trash can through the Italian eatery that window that to me resonates far more than most of the thing really than anything I saw in this film. Like you said, Mike, the stuff we see in this film is like, yeah, and okay. <laughs> All right. It's like that Saturday night live skit with uh sketch with um, Dave Chappelle and the other black dude at their uh, white friends uh, house watching the election returns. Oh my God. Trump won Florida. And Dave Chappelle looks at his friends like, okay. And, <laughs> Yeah, that's how I, that's how I felt about this film. I mean, I I take do the right thing over this film any day, twice on Sunday. Yeah, I, to me, I think the, the critical uh, stuff that is getting, and I'm seeing people on Twitter talking about it, and mainly it's you know not people of color. I this movie one, I think I would give this movie a ten in terms of marketing and like it coming out at the exact right time. Uh, totally. And I think that plays a lot into what people, when they're watching this movie, because I think I've seen many, many people on Twitter saying, oh, I'm complacent. I was complacent. And I can get, and I get why they feel that way watching this, because a lot of this shit is facts. Some of the, some, like that Harry Belafonte thing is real. The footage you see at the end of the movie is real. So you can't, you could play it off as, oh, the clan, no, nobody's like that anymore, but... You know, you can't hide the fact that that new to me, I was like, at the end, they showed you the new clan and they look just like any other person you see walking down the street. And you can't deny that that's some bullshit. And and, you know, there's a white girl that got ran over uh, and all, you know, that's Trump. He said that it's in them. You can't deny that. So I think for a lot of these people, it's, it's almost like the fuck, I, the truth. I can't run from the, oh, you know, it's presented to them. That's what I said for me. It's just like. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I knew all this shit already. Yeah, uh, yeah, we feel like that. Yeah, this is the way things are. So that's why I think it plays to different people. I think this movie can be more is more powerful. But and that's no different than you know, like if I saw Black Panther to me, I, yeah, you know, this is this is what I'm talking about. Black boxing and you know, white guys. Hey, that was a great Marvel movie. You no, know, I don't know more than less. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, what's the big deal? You know, so I, you know, that's I see that the same way. Can I can I say one other thing? Last Go ahead. Thing? Go ahead. Movie. I'm not going to give anything away, but the climactic scene 
there are two elements that I found interesting. The one element, which was the actual event that uh, Stallworth and his team were trying to prevent, that was le- far less exciting to me than when the cops show up. Right. I, I felt like the cops showing up was the real story. And to me, that's a testament to how it was a little bit too slow and not as exciting as it should should have been building up to the the, the premiere event versus when the cops show up. Yeah, and I, and you knew it was going to happen when the cops show up. That's why I was like, if they I, don't I, do what I know they're going to do, then something wrong with this movie. <laughs> well, that's it's the way I, I thought that's the way it was going to go with Get Out, at the end of Get Out. Right. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, yeah, check out Black Klansman's uh speaking of there's another movie that's been out for a couple it's been out for a few weeks um maybe a month uh blind spotting um and this movie takes place in oakland and the general story is a young man a young brother he's been on parole uh i think for a couple years or something but he only has like maybe two or three days left on his parole where he'll finally be off parole and you know free and he's been trying to stay out of trouble this whole time but he ends up witnessing a police officer shooting an unarmed black guy. And so he's sort of holding, like, should I say something? Am I going to go to jail over that? And then the other part of the story is that it's dealing with the gentrification of Oakland. And so the story, you follow this guy, he's a black guy, dreads. He, in my opinion, for a lot of people, he would fit the description. You know, he's, oh, he looked like thug. And then his buddy, which is a white dude, and he is, some people would call him a wigger, but he is that guy <laughs> who grew up. He's an interesting, this is why the movie is very interesting. He, he's Michael Rappaport. No, he's not actually. No, Michael no. Rappaport wishes he was this guy. He is the guy who is actually uh, a minority in his environment, right? Because he's around predominantly black or brown people in Oakland, and he's the only lone white boy since, you know, he grew up there. So he has to, you know, I don't want to say prove, but his whole style is the same style as the people that he's around, but obviously he's going to stick out because he's white. And so he almost has to really be about that life (laughs) and ready to get shit popping off because you would imagine he was probably tested, you know, like what you doing around here? So he is got, he's got the grill, you know, he's basically, you know, and they go into it. He is the nigga. Right. And so, it, and, and then the, 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 the triple part about it is when you deal with the gentrification, well, here come the, they call them the hipster white folks are moving back into this neighborhood. And so now he is the wigger. And he doesn't like the new people coming in. But the cold part about it, they white just like you. But in his core, he's from, you know, the streets or whatever. So it's a very interesting sort of dynamic. So you don't normally see that. Normally you see the people of color sort of pushing back. But here's the white guy sort of pushing back. And so I'll say this. This movie... And it's and its movie is played sort of comedic, sort of some parts spoken word rap type parts in it, a lot of surreal type of elements in this. But this movie is, in my opinion, I don't live there, but authentically Oakland. And you, I'm like I I believed everything that was. I was like, okay, they got the slang down. It it just felt so real. It was like a hood movie, but it was like elevated, you know. Um, I lost for words but I really like this movie some parts it kind of was getting away a little bit but the the last act of this movie they do like a, a flashback thing where you actually see why that guy's on probation that movie was so tense mm. uh, and it was excellent like this is far better than in my opinion Black's Klansman and <laughs> no knock to Spike but this movie was really good and the way it ends, you know, it really kind of makes you think. I was like, yeah, the white guy is the, he, you know, it's, it's interesting to see it superimposed on somebody else. But they're playing out the same thing. But the dynamic is 
You got the guy who's stereotypically the nigga, but his buddy is the white guy. He's the real nigga. And dealing with these other people coming in that he looks like taking taking the community back over. A uh, really good movie. Um, Big Sexy, you saw Blind Spotting. What do you think? Yes, I did. And I agree with you pretty much across the board. Uh, the movie was set in West Oakland. And I grew up in North, North Oakland. And when I was a kid, West Oakland, that was your ass. That was the place you did not want to get caught in after 6 o'clock. And so to see these two characters and uh, the black guy was also in Hamilton. Yes. And so he brings that vibe to it during some of the spoken word sequences. But it's an interesting dynamic because, you know, the white guy, you know, was has got a black girlfriend, got, you know, a little boy with her and, you know, doing their thing. But there's this one scene there's a party that one of the hipster guys is throwing and they don't want to go. And they're like, all right, let's go. And at the party, I don't know who this other black dude is, but he's not from that area. He assumes that I'm going to call him Tommy. Fuck it. Yeah. He does <laughs> he assumes, give off a very Tommy from power. Vibes. He assumes Tommy is just, you know, regular Joe blow hipster and treats him as such, call him a culture vulture and all that. And Tom was like, man, I will whip your ass. And proceeds to whip his ass. And as they're getting into it, wait, he calls wait, wait. out. Yeah, you kind of. He didn't whip his ass. Well, wait, whoa, whoa. He whipped his ass. At one point, he's on the bottom. He's calling out to Miles. I was like, Miles. Black guy's Miles. And then white, white guy's Colin. Miles didn't do anything. And, and then Colin you know, finally figured it out. And then after that, they had this confrontation where you expect it's going to go one way and it doesn't, you know, it makes you think about a lot of things, which led in to the next day with the interaction. I don't want to give it away, but there was an interaction that leads up to a very, very tense, I'll call it a standoff. And it makes you think all the way around, you know, because when you're, you know, a person in an area or, uh, or setting and the setting around you is changing and people come to you and treat you like, you know, you're not from there or not authentically from there, there's going to be a problem. And that's what's happening over there with uh, a lot of these cats in West Oakland trying to gentrify that area. All right. Uh, and Pooh, did you see this movie? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. I saw it last week. What'd you think? Um, I, I liked it for the most part. It, I, I guess because I, I did like a back-to-back day. I saw Sorry to Bother You, and then I saw that blind spotting. And I don't recommend anyone do that because <laughs> your, your expectation for something deep and philosophical and all these avant-garde is going to be so high that when you get to this movie, you're like, when you're waiting for something deep to hit you, you're like, oh, wait, okay, let me not do that. So that's my, my first comment I wanted to get out. But yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed this film. Um, that scene that you said tense. Uh, when he when he first when the guy first started recalling that incident, the fight that put him in jail, I started okay, this is comedy. And then when when he gets lit up, when he gets lit up, I was like, whoa, wait, I, that this shit went left. It, it, it reminded me of Ant Man. Was it Ant Man? With the guys doing the recall? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you're thinking like, oh, okay, okay, there's a fight. Then all of a sudden, it just, it just went dark like a mother. I was like, whoa, okay. Uh, this, def- this definitely ain't no comedy in here. Um, the, the thing that, that really drew me to this was seeing the interaction between, I wish I knew their names. I'm just going to call them the black guy and the, the hood white dude. Tommy and, and Ghost. <laughs> no, old boy ain't ghost at all. No, no, no true. <laughs> you know, yeah, just to I, throw in, both of those two actually wrote this movie. Too. Yes. Really? Yes. yes. Wow. Okay. Props to them for that. Um, and I just I just found again, I just found the film engaging. It wasn't as deep as I thought when like you said, when he saw the cop shoot the guy, you're thinking the film's going in a different direction, you know, they're gonna look at um, he's going to have to deal with how does he come forward and deal with the legal ramifications of him being on parole and whatnot. And it doesn't touch there at all. 
And then you you think that okay he's just gonna he has his PTSD and you, you're waiting for this for the resolution of that to happen and they do give it to you. To me, I didn't find it very satisfying the the spoken word rap thing. It just didn't resonate with me. I'm I'm sorry, it just didn't. I was just like this. To me, I felt like it went on way too long than it needed to be. And at the end of the day, okay, the white man got away with killing a brother. And now the other brothers have to deal with the PTSD of witnessing that pop off. So for me, I felt that the the resolution of that whole story arc was very unsatisfying. But I did enjoy seeing that dynamic between the, the <laughs> for a change, a black man trying to do right and having the the dumbass white dude bringing him back to the hood. Yeah, and and shout out to uh, I thought it was it was clownish, but they had Gina in the movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Tisha Campbell was in the movie. Yes, she had a she was, shot. I was like, she was channeling her school days. Yeah, she was. <laughs> you know, I just you now it makes me. Th- you know, what was funny to me though was the the Uber driver dude. I don't know why I thought that was hilarious. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, refresh my memory. Remember the guy who's the Uber driver and he had that tricked out uh, car sitting on them big ass tires and the, the wheels. Like 50 inch rims. And he had the guns and shit in the car. Like the movie started off in that, but then they saw him later. They was like, oh, we got an Uber coming. And he pulled up, my neck, let's get on it. <laughs> I that oh. was hilarious. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that movie is interesting, man. Uh, I'm curious. So now, now you've seen that. I have not seen. Uh, sorry to bother you yet, but but let me just say this. Uh, we just talked about blacks clansmen, blind spotting. Sorry to bother you. I mean, there's a lot of black movies out here, right? <laughs> that are in the theaters. Superfly. Superfly. Yeah, I mean, talking about just like right now, these movies are out. Like, there's so many different things you can see. I just think that's pretty cool. Um, but tell me about Sorry to Bother You. I haven't seen it, so I, if you can't go easy on some spoilers, but what, what was your take on it? Um, I've said this before, and I'm going to say this again. I know this is being regarded as this great work in cine- cinematography or whatever, cinema history. I didn't get it all. <laughs> to me, the best story was um, Cash, and I'm trying to... What's her name, Q? Tessa Thompson's character's name. Uh, I don't remember her name. They were, they were boyfriend, girlfriend for a yeah. period of time. For me, that was the best story in the film. Just watching them interact, him supporting her. She started off flipping signs on, uh, like, you know, you know, you see the people with that big sign that they're spinning out, and he he's jobless in his uh, his uncle's garage. He gets the uh, telemarketing job, and we're just seeing how they're changing. She still has his dream, and he's pushing her to do that. He's, you know, trying to get money to help out his uncle and she's pushing him to do that. And for me to see their love blossom and as he's doing good, uh, I know y'all can call me a punk for that, but I was just like, God damn, that's what I'm talking about. Black love. I love seeing that. But this shit was trippy as fuck. When you get to the third act, they got the the boy that would play the Winklevosses. He has his he he got his Jeff Bezos gonna take over the world. There's a whole lot of analogies in this film about uh, um, the corporation mistreating their workers, how they go about pitting workers against each other in order to keep them focused on hating each other instead of trying to get collectively secure the bag from the corporations. And then it goes all trippy with some. Uh, I don't know, some bioengineering of workers and shit, and it just kind of lost me. I I had no idea what the message was. Apparently, it was really about socialism it's from some places that I've read. It's just a hell of a trip to me. All right. Q-Storm, what was your take on the movie? Well, I'm going by memory, uh, but um, yeah, I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I thought from the script, the direction, the cinematography, the lighting, which is part of cinematography, <clears throat> I thought it hit all cylinders. And the last part of this, for the last act, it is like if you if you get high, which I don't, but if you do get high, this is the movie to smoke and watch because. Aaron, it, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry, I need to interject for a tad bit. 
I was high when I watched this. Didn't do it. Well, okay. Uh, I, I don't want to give anything away, but um, yeah, this, this movie is pure, pure satire. I mean, and the last part of this, this the film, it reminded me of um, Gulliver's Travels. Um, and I would put it on that level with uh, Jonathan Swift. It's just, it's one of the most refreshing, unique scripts I've ever seen. Uh, the uh, What's her name? Tessa Thompson. There's a scene that she's in. Because she's a performance artist, first and foremost. She's an artist. And like Ant said, she's, uh, you know, she she does her art while she's flipping signs, you know, coming to T-Mobile, or you know, those kind of people where they just, they, they point you into a store. But she puts on a show. Detroit, that was her name. Yeah, she puts on a show. And literally, it was hard to watch. I'm, that, that's, I'm remembering now. One of the things I got to give credit to the the actors, particularly Cash and uh, Tessa Thompson, they they put in some brave performances in this film. They're, the scene that Tessa Thompson's in that I'm talking about, it was cringeworthy to watch. I I was like, I understand what you're doing, but please stop. Um, and the scene was meant to to show that she was just as intense with her goals as Cash was with his. And what I mean by Cash is that. One of the other subtexts of the thing of the movie is, you know, how what do you consider selling out to become successful? Is it worth it? And so this movie it covers a lot. Of, it does cover socialism. Anytime you have a movie that talks about workers rising up, well, of course you're going to get uh, allegories of socialism, the proletariat, uh, workhorses of America, the, the the workhorses of America being the, the middle class and how they're losing out, how they're being engineered. To, to lose, to be become almost a slave class. And I say that, I know that's strong, but uh, for want of a better term. Uh, and selling out as, a, as people of color, do we sell out to, to get ahead? Do we have to sell out to get ahead? Are liberals, which is what I, I, I saw Tessa Thompson representing liberals, as I do, as I did, and I can't say why, but th- th- what happens in the third act, there's a certain type of worker that is introduced that I thought kind of might be clowning liberals and Democrats. <laughs> I can't say why. But um, liberals, are they going overboard with their excesses just like conservatives do in the Trump age? Because the scene with Tessa Thompson, I thought that represented liberalism at its worst uh, or, or a symbol, sy- symbolic of that. So, yeah, I mean, you, you can see this movie. I've only seen it once, but I think you, I'll, I'll probably buy it when it comes out. You can watch this movie five times and come away with five different different aspects of this film. That's, to me, what makes it so brilliant. And I'm ashamed to, to say I'd never heard of this director, Boots Riley. Is that his name? I think that's his name. Yes. He, he's part of a, a hip-hop group, which I've never heard of. But even the, the music track, which was very simplistic, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. All right, yeah, I'm gonna check that out. I'm trying to see that the movies. I see they have the pre-order for the DVD up or Blu-ray up, so I may just end up checking it that way. But yeah, so, three. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say what, what is kind of interesting is, is like Q brought up the, uh, you know, what is selling now, but it also if they have another narrative of, you know, it's all good. This actually goes back to Amorosa. It's all good, you know, being with the evil empire, so to speak, until it's your, until they come after you, until it affects you. Then all of a sudden, you want to be Dr. Martin Luther King. And that's, and it was just kind of funny as hell how, you know, he had no problems being at this party, making that money until it was something that was going to affect him. Oh, that reminds me. And since Ant's the only other person that saw it, I'm going to get his opinion. Um, There's a scene, not spoiling anything. But there is a scene where I was a little disappointed, but I still rode with it. I'm not disappointed, but I was like, ah, you didn't really have to do that. But I, I, I'll ride with you. There's a scene where the lead character, Cash, is asked to do something that's considered, that would be considered, it'd be something that a white person would say, oh, you can do that. Of course you can. Brother, man, you could do that. Oh, rapid. Well, I don't want to spoil it too much, but Cash does what the white guy asked him to do with his party, right? And I thought, ah, you didn't really have to do that. You didn't have to really be on the nose so much because there's another scene where Danny Glover 
tells Cash, you have to use a certain type of voice to be successful in this business. I don't want to spoil that either. <laughs> and that was enough. But this this scene, it was so on the head, like, okay, white, bad, black, black, uh, uh, oppressed. And I felt that already without that scene having to be so on the nose. But again, it, I was cool with it. But the reason I was a little disappointed was because there's another subplot, which is just as flimsy as the Black Klansman love love subplot, that involves two people of inter of different races that have an affair, and they don't make any mention at all of the fact that the two people are of different race. Which I was like, okay, cool. That you know, sometimes it's, you don't have to be so literal with everything. And so the fact that they did that, and I was like, all right, that's dope. For them to do that with this scene towards the end, with this guy being stereotypically black, I thought I was like, ah, that wasn't really necessary. So, I, you know, I was a little, I just took note of that. I, I saw it as he was in that situation and he gave them what he thought they wanted to, to hear and what they wanted to see, which is kind of, which I guess I interpret it as that's kind of how, again, black people play the game to get ahead. All right. Well, there you go. Some good discussion on that movie. And uh, let's see. I think we're going to have to wrap things up here, actually. We're running out of time. But as usual, we would love to hear what you guys think of these movies. Again, there's three movies. One movie we're not going to have time to talk about, uh, but I would say go check out is The Death of Superman. It's an animated DC movie. Uh, I would say it was their best animated movie so far just in terms of the quality of it oh you know I thought, you, I thought you were talking about that movie uh, that Tim Burton was supposed to put out the documentary no not Tim Burton but The Kevin Death Smith. of Superman Lives uh, uh, did that come I, out? yeah that, yeah, that's that's been out. Out. yeah. Uh, John, John Schnepp uh, he just passed away matter of fact that was his movie right. where can you see that? I saw uh, it on Showtime probably on yeah, I think it was on Showtime. You could probably find it on any streaming service, you know, iTunes or all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, Death of Superman, definitely check that out. Action-packed, hardcore. But as we always say at this time, work it like a job. We got to get out of here. We will see you next time. Peace.